too especially like thinking of how it feels so long ago that all the teams in houston were actually good yeah it feels like it was like 15 years ago man it was only like five or so years ago but it feels like yeah. it was a long time ago yeah <laughs> and and now we uh we done went from uh pray for victor to uh please take us back james harden yeah, so. and some dude named Amen Thompson or something. Yeah, I never heard I've of. Never heard of something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, who is that? I've never heard of this dude before. Oh man, yeah, we gotta uh, get the scraps. <laughs> the scraps. Hey, hopefully there's like a Jason Tatum type, somebody who's just not talked about, and it ends up being a superstar. But yeah, man, Houston yeah. sports is looking kind of rough. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> Only, only a few. It was, it was all good just a week ago, like Jay Z said. Yeah. <laughs> but um, we are back at it with a uh, very, very surprise Thursday stream we got for y'all, and we're doing the surprise th- surprise Thursday stream because we have a very special guest joining us this evening. Um, this is a man we've known for a long time, man. Me and Figgy have known this guy for a long time. I've known him for probably close to like ten years now. Oh, wow. Okay. Since I first got into Sports Radio 610. And as I was a, a young, doe-eyed producer trying to uh, make his way and thought he had a future in the industry, you know? <laughs> but uh, th- this guy is uh, a legend in the game, man. He's uh, hosting, of course, the morning show alongside Sean Pendergast. Of course, he's had a, a 10-year NFL career, was an OG Houston Texan, uh, played with the team for five years. And he joins us now to finally, finally we get to talk. Because I never really talked to this guy. Yeah, you know? I've yeah. always wanted to. We never had like a heart to heart or a tete a tete or anything like that. <laughs> we never got to pick his brain about anything. So I'm very excited to welcome our guest. The great Seth Payne joins us this evening. Hey. 
<laughs> I, feel, I feel I'm happy to be here, but now I feel really guilty about never having had a heart to heart with you before. I mean, you're 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 a very busy guy, man, and, and it's not like we could all just stick around after the show and talk about nothing, you know? All so. fake hustle. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's usually, hey, what's up, man? How you doing? And, and keep it moving. Yeah, I don't know. I the the secret. I honestly. People think I'm joking when I say this. I'm pretty sure I'm a little bit autistic. I just, like, I've learned how to hide it really, really well. But I, uh, yeah, so that's, don't, don't, don't worry, man. It's not your fault. It's mine. Whatever, whatever non-conversations we've had. But, but I will, I will say this, though, man, because it's always stuck with me. Because I know when I first got a Sports Radio 610, like, I didn't know anybody. And I never been around, like, NFL players like that. So I assumed, like, you guys were going to be the most diva-ish or the most bougie of <laughs> the on-air talent. So I was expecting y'all to like never talk to me. But I always remember like you and Ted Johnson were the first ones like in the studio, in the station period to come up to me and talk to me and like be real with me and ask me questions and ask where I'm from and what I'm doing. So I always thought that was cool, man, because I always thought you guys would be the most like, you know, you wouldn't talk to a lowly board op like us. Yeah. But you were actually the most cool. So I always appreciated that. That's what, yeah, it's interesting because I think, you know, I mean, everybody's different. You got jerks on every team and yeah. great guys on every team. But I think for the most part, you know, you spend you spend your whole professional life in team sports. And, you know, from growing up, doing it through school, and then you do it for another 10 or 15 years in college in the NFL – you just, I, I think that's just part of like being a good part of a team, you know, is trying to get to know as many people as possible. Um, and it's, uh, and, and also, I, it's funny. I, I never really thought about it this way. Like on an NFL team, there's a lot of guys mixing that would be like maybe under conventional circumstances, there might be more like separation. Like in a in a company, you kind of got the mailroom workers and you got front office. You know, you got the, the the white collar types. But like in an NFL locker room, the the interns, the equipment guys, the athletic trainers, the security guard, like everybody just kind of co-mingles. And they're not unless you're a jerk. Nobody really acts like there's a a status or a hierarchy there. That makes sense because you always see, and I do see that in basketball games too, like the players will talk with like everybody in, in the, on the staff. So that's one thing I know is about athletes. I don't think that's much the case in show business. You know, yeah. a lot of the, uh, the, I don't think the key grip is talking to the main stars. So or not, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Cruise on you. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, no, I think, uh, yeah, well, plus, I mean, like, you guys, I've always, the board ops and the producers and everybody like that, you guys just have so much technical expertise that I just never, um, I never thought of it. I never, like, thought for a moment that there would be any reason not to talk to you guys. <laughs> we're kind of kind of screwed without these guys, so they're, they're, they're kind of a big deal. Yeah, you won't believe it, though, man. It's a lot of talent. I, I'm a on-air personalities that just treat the, the board ops like they're really just the board op. Like really? it's their personal assistant or producer or some mm -hmm. intern, and then just do like, this and get me that and just yeah, uh, yeah. Just kinda, no kidding, yeah. So okay. that that kind of make us like not really want to do much. Like, all right, I'm gonna just do the bare minimal. <laughs> yeah, like I ain't like I, I'm gonna keep my headphones off. I'm not about to pay attention. I'm gonna just go to break when I'm told to go to break. <laughs> well, it was uh, it's because of you guys in in this podcast slash YouTube channel slash Twitch that I learned that, like, it, it almost wasn't that way, right, Ryan? Because 
there's like a there's a little bit of a gap in maybe the way I use the word buddy and the, <laughs> way, the way you perceive the word buddy. So, so, wait, so let, let's get into that. We, yeah. Let's get into that now, because uh, for people who didn't who didn't catch that whole the, the saga of the buddy. Um, so me and Figgy were talking on a podcast and I forget how this came up. We're talking about like thing past aggressive things people might say or things people might call you that kind of annoy you. And Figgy <laughs> mentioned Buddy, and like somebody calls, like, "Hey, Buddy, what's going on, Buddy?" And he mentioned that, "Oh, Seth Payne does it." <laughs> so we, we were talking about it, but we we knew you didn't mean it in the uh, in a mean way. Yeah. But uh, th- just the fact that it, it can be seen as a condescending thing for people to say, yeah. and you and Sean talked about it on your show, and you guys were shocked that it could be <laughs> taken in that context. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because see how I grew up, whenever somebody used the word buddy, it's in a negative way. It's never like a, hey, buddy, how you doing? It's more like, look at buddy over there. Think he all that. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's the like only time thing. I hear I don't it. Think, and I, there was a, well, with Ryan, you and I are closer to the same age. So I just don't think, yeah, I never, I never heard like buddy being used that way. Like I've never heard that like growing up. Like, so, we're, so I think it's, uh, I, I don't know. I, I felt awful about it though. And now I think back to like various times in my life where with like Uber drivers or something that maybe somebody just thought I was being a complete asshole because I, <laughs> you know, you call it, but you know, cause like just what you were saying, if somebody treats somebody else, like they're lower in station than them. And I'm like talking to an Uber driver and I call him buddy. He might be thinking like, Oh, this guy, huh? Oh yeah. He thinks, yeah one star his ass. <laughs> and, and that's what got me too, because the, the examples you and, you and Sean brought up. I don't think y'all saw the irony in using those. Like, I think Sean said, "Yeah, I talk to the doorman. I call him Buddy all the time." <laughs> and then you posted the clip from Stranger Things where the cop calls a little kid Buddy, and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and I still okay. didn't get it. Even when yeah, you we- pointed out, I was like, no, these are positive examples. <laughs> <laughs> like oh, you know, man. a child you tussle his hair, or Ryan Rocket. <laughs> What's funny is I, I, I be so negative on the word buddy, but I call my dog buddy. My dog named Stanley. I'm like, hey, what's up, yeah, buddy? Buddy is a cute name for a child or a dog. <laughs> somebody, dog or something like somebody lower than me, yeah. I would call buddy. <laughs> Boy, okay, I get it. Yeah, but I say it, but I do say it to everybody. <laughs> I was about yeah. to say, I was about to say that's how I called my child. Like up through the first few years, there. Well, I still, I still say buddy into all my, uh, yeah, to my, yeah, I say it to adults too. But yeah, you're right. The examples we're bringing up, there's something there. There's definitely something there. <laughs> yeah, and I did make it clear when we talked about it on the podcast before that you didn't mean it that way. But whenever no. you say buddy, or when you used to say buddy to me, I used to kind of perk up like, wait, what? <laughs> but I knew you didn't mean it that way, just with your energy. Yeah, and we knew it wasn't a racial connotation either. I know you yeah, brought that up. It's not like the guy in OKC who said uh, Russell Westbrook is playing out of his cotton-picking mind and he didn't <laughs> understand. <laughs> you know, honestly, nothing like that. The cotton-picking thing, though, too, that was another one that, like, I just never thought about it before. And, like, you just... It, 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 it's one of those things I think once you know it, you feel like everybody should know it, obviously. Um but like I just never like I grew up in the north too, so it just was less of a part of even the you know the history or anything of that region. So when it was explained to me, I'm pretty sure I never used it like 
towards it's not like a common expression it feels like you got to go out of your way to use that expression um these days <laughs> except yeah yeah yeah, it's it's funny because like even with that expression, like I heard it a bunch. Of, my mother used to say she said it to me a few times as a kid, but I never really put two and two together until that OKC stuff happened. Where I'm like, oh yeah, like I ain't think about it in that type yeah. of way. It was just like, are you out your damn mind? Or you know, some people say you out your cotton picking mind. So yeah. I just kind of took it like that. So I ain't really think of it the the racial part to it. I guess. Who's the who's the NBA player that used the uh, Jewish slur that didn't and he didn't realize it was a Jewish slur? It was uh, um, maybe it was a it was some, it's like, wasn't it somebody who got like kicked out the league for that? It was somebody who played for Miami. I want to say yeah, right? I forget his name, but I know who you're talking about. There was somebody who like genuinely used it and like and I think didn't under you know like it's a word it's a it's a it's a slur that starts with K. But it's like it's never used. Oh, it was Myers you know? Leonard. That's right. That's it was right. Myers Leonard. Yeah. Oh, okay. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's uh, like it's not it's not something you would hear. Like, I, like how do you guys feel on that? When somebody says that, like, I really honestly didn't even know it was a slur. Do you believe them, or is it so you feel like okay, no, you knew you knew something about that? Here's the thing: like, people people like to play dumb yeah. and be slick, and. That's what throws me off because I know I, I don't know if y'all saw that whole bar stool. It wasn't a bar stool. It was a Boston radio guy. I guess the uh, the topic was <laughs> the topic was a uh, famous nips or whatever. Oh, or oh yeah, yeah, nips. yeah, yeah. And the guy said Mina Kimes and looked at the dude and was chuckling. Like I know what nip meant as a slur. I knew yeah. it was a Japanese slur. Some people didn't know it was a slur. So they figured, like, there's no way this guy could have known that. But right. clearly, like, he was being, like, tongue-in-cheek with it. You could tell he was grinning to his buddy. And in the video, you could tell he was, like, you know, he he knew what he said. Yeah. And he knew the context. He was yeah. trying to be funny. That's it. But also trying to make it look like what it was more. No, exactly. no. This is just I meant, good old misogyny. <laughs> <laughs> he said he meant Mina Kunis or something. So, yeah, it was a mess. There was a no. Every now and then, though, too, you come across a word or something that you feel like you feel like uh, this has got to be a slur, right? I'm going to stay away. I don't know what this word is, <laughs> but it feels like a slur. So I'm just not going to read it. I'm like, I, I can't go there. Yeah, you, you. I don't know, man. It's a. Uh, it's very touchy with uh, certain people. But let's get to you, man. Let's. We see you out there on uh, Augusta National. Looks like, man, you're uh, <laughs> in a beautiful, beautiful range, making us look bad basic over here in our studio settings. So, well, how have you been, man? How, how have you been holding up? I'm good. I'm. Uh. I'm having fun. This has been like on the work side of stuff with. D'Amico coming back and like an organization that seemed completely lost and twisting in the wind. It's weird how everything changed and did a 180 over the course of just a few months. So like that part's been fun just as a sports fan. And that's obviously what we talk about a lot. Um, and then just, uh, it, it's, uh, it's, it's weird. I've been in radio for 10 years now. And like when I get into it, I didn't know how long I'd last and everything's changing all the time, but I really enjoy what I'm doing. And, um, like I'm enjoying getting into basically because of like you guys and Landry and a few other people, I've realized like, okay, I got to start streaming and doing this kind of stuff too, because that's where everything's going. So, um, it's weird. Uh, I was talking to somebody about it the other day who's also my age, he's 48, I'm 48. And like when I was younger, I thought people were 
completely full of shit when they said that life gets better in your 40s. Because I was like, yeah, well, whatever. You, know, you tell yourself whatever you got to tell yourself. But there is like, there's something that happened, I think, with me where I just kind of like over the course of the past five, six years, you just kind of examine your priorities and think about what you really care about and um, learn to like all the cliches, like not sweat the small stuff, you know, learn how to say, how to not give a fuck about certain things. And, um, and you just get it. Like I've gotten a perspective on life that I don't think I had before. So I'm like, I'm probably, like, I'm enjoying life more now than I ever did. I think when I was like young and in my teens and twenties and thirties. I mean, that's really good to hear. Um, especially because when I first met you, um, you seem like you're very angry a lot at times, yeah. man. Like, yeah. and I, I don't know if that was, was that the dynamic you had with Mike? Like, you guys just would get into it over things and just that got you upset? What, or do you think what's in funny, general? What's funny is, to, what's funny is, that's why I thought the name of the show was Mad Radio. Yeah. I, I thought <laughs> yeah. it was just too mad, two dudes who was always mad. So yeah. I, thought, I didn't realize it, it was, was as actually the yeah, Meltzer and Davies. Yeah, Brad I didn't Davies know, was the original host. I didn't yeah. know that until like a year ago. <laughs> yeah, really? Yeah, yes. no, it made sense. Yeah, we do mad takes and everything. Yeah. Um, I was always like, yeah, I think, well, like back then, one of our listeners described me as uh, either a happy, angry person or an angry, I think a happy person who, who's angry a lot. Um, and I think like that was one of the things that happened was... Partly, yeah, I think Meltzer and I, can you guys, is that wind blowing through? I don't have a wind. Oh, no, it's yeah. fine. Okay. Um, I think Meltzer and I probably had a dynamic where we were more combative. So like, yeah, on radio, that was way more like we just argued with each other a lot more. There was that. But I think like from the time I was a kid, I think I just grew up where, you know, my, my dad had a temper and I learned that that was the way you handled things and that was the way you had settled things. And it was just kind of ingrained in me. And I used it as a weapon and as a tool at times. You know, it's a powerful tool if you use it appropriately um, in the right moments. But then, it, like, with, with time and age, you realize, like, okay, I'm not actually winning a lot of these debates. I'm just overpowering people, um, which isn't, A, like, the correct thing to do, or, B, the thing that makes you most popular in life. Um, and then I kind of just also just did a spreadsheet of it in my mind of, like, all right, let's, let me think about... Like, when, when does this anger that I seem to be plagued with actually help me out or make things better? And uh, it's a pretty bad balance sheet, you know, when you look at it of the times that it's actually worth getting angry versus um, trying to stay calm or placid about things. And, like, it, and it, like, there was nothing really dramatic about it. It was as simple as that. Like, when I did the math in my head, all of a sudden I realized, well, this is just dumb. Like, this is, a, this is, this is absurd to be angry like this. Um, and you know life's too short for it so i kind of kind of flipped a switch there and you know along with doing a lot of um like mindfulness type stuff and uh getting a real strict exercise regimen and everything i think i just i just kind of squeezed it out of me but okay I th i'd say that for like the precipitating incidents would be at least a couple times when mike and i um <laughs> like either quit the show or he walked yes. out or whatever <laughs> the time he called me unbearable 17 times in a row um and then there's like when josh and i got into it on radio row that was you know like like I, there were reasons behind that but like i could have handled it a whole lot differently i think you know and josh josh knew how to 
push my buttons. So, <laughs> yeah. like a few of those incidents, I realized like I don't I don't want to be this guy my whole life. <laughs> so I, I always wanted to ask you this. I was kind of nervous to ask you, but do you get upset when people bring those incidents up, like in a joking way? Because you know, I got a lot of drops on the show. I do not have an unbearable drop. And I yeah. do not have any, I, like <laughs> I just wanted to stay away from that because. You know, it was an unfortunate situation, uh, incident, but do you get upset yeah. when people bring that up? Well, no, because it's not like it's because it was funny. I mean, it is a funny thing. And uh, so I guess part of it is it was like a, it was it was a painful time. So for those of you who don't know, like Mike Meltzer and I had been co-hosts, we got along great for the most part, but every now and then we'd have a blow up. And just one day he'd had it with me because I kind of I, I would push his buttons and I would poke and prod and I would argue about stupid stuff. <laughs> and he just lost it and called me unbearable. How many times did he say? Was it 17? Landry? I, I, a, a lot. A lot. <laughs> a lot. It was bad. Um, so I think it's one of those things where I don't mind when people bring it up, but it was it was one of those things that honestly didn't bother me much that much at the time. But it was like with reflection, it started to hurt me more and more like as years went by. Mm. Um, and I think maybe it was like kind of as I was talking about going through trying to figure out how how to not be an angry person. It gave me enough perspective to kind of look look at myself objectively and think about how I contributed to that. And uh, so like, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't bother me. Like I wouldn't mind the drops or anything um it's just like yeah it was it was painful like it was it, it was something that i thought was really funny at first and then over time i started to be kind of I, I i i ended up being embarrassed by it you know um so it's like i don't i think the more i realized that there was some truth to it is when it stopped being as funny because <laughs> like i'm like all right if, uh i'd prefer not to be unbearable so i think i'm for the most part i am now but yeah play play the drops all you want <laughs> <laughs> to be fair though mike Meltzer was a pretty funny guy to poke fun at at times, man. Um, like I, I still remember when we booked a we booked a rabbi, so we would have a <laughs> we right. booked a yeah, rabbi yeah. And, and we play we tried to get Mike in touch with his uh, Jewish side, you know. <laughs> That's right. And I think he was really upset. <laughs> he really he? didn't like it. I thought I don't he... think he liked it, man. But we oh, had a great time. Yeah. I was laughing hard. Because that guy was, was cool too. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was really cool. Did yeah. we? Did did we have him in studio? Yeah, he was in studio. <laughs> yeah, and we asked him all kinds of questions. Yeah, and he was really cool about it. Like our, our Jewish listeners loved it. We played like, the music. We had a great time. It was classic. Like whatever year it was, like 2015 or something. something it was like classic that. 2015 because every Jewish person I heard from loved it. Um, the offended people were non-Jewish people of who course. were being offended on behalf of, <laughs> of uh, Jewish people. Yeah. Well, we were genuinely. Like, I think Mike liked it because we were just, except I think that part of it is, you know, with Mike, you always got to think about the parent dynamic. Yeah. Like if his, his mom didn't like it or something. So Mike might have liked it, but would be worried about that his, that his mom might not like it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a good idea yeah. by you, Ryan. Nah, it was hilarious, man. I still think about that. But <laughs> I, I, I just, I feel like Mike hated me at times. I, I just think I, maybe that's just how he was, but I just, I don't know. He he's, was, hard, um, he's a hard guy to read, but he's, no, I like him. He's a good guy. Yeah, no, no. Mike just gets like I think sometimes when he gets stressed out, it comes off that way because he's kind of up in his own world and yeah. and you don't realize like that he's uh 
And he says, you know, he knows. He's like kind of monotone about stuff. And yeah. he might just be, he's thinking kind of robotically mm. when interacting with people. So no, yeah. no, no. He loved you. He wasn't yeah. ever, um, we were, <laughs> when, uh, I can't remember who the program director was at the time. Well, okay. I don't want to get into that. Yeah. 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 We really enjoyed having you as our, uh, as our interim <laughs> producer yeah. for a no, while. And, yeah. I, I had a lot of fun, man. So I appreciate it. Um, now you mentioned like, um, you dealing with anger and, and having to take mindfulness. Like, do you think that came, do you think that was early on onset or do you think that came from playing football defensive tackle in the NFL for 10 years? Because you go through a point where you have to be angry every Sunday to be good at your job. And now you have a new career where the anger can hurt you. It can get you suspended or anything like that. So like, is that attributed more so to the fact that you played football or was it something more inherent? I think um, I think most of it was just my upbringing, <clears throat> um, like just certain family members that were kind of wired that same way. And but it helped like I like I learned early on. I can remember kind of flipping a switch when I was in high school and realizing like how to get myself worked up. And but then like kind of learning how to balance it out. And this helps me out in radio. Like if I were doing radio in the Northeast, it would really help me out. I think in, in Houston, we're just not as it, it shouldn't be that way. It doesn't need to be rants, rants, rants all the time. Like I thought it should be for like seven years. But um, <laughs> so I think that I learned how to use it as a tool, um, like sometimes productively in football, uh, but usually destructively in my personal life. Um, but like, yeah, when it got into radio, I think I also like, there was, you know, I, I think Mike enjoyed it too. Cause Mike's, Mike's from the Northeast and that's the radio he grew up on is kind of guys with thick accents go doing rants and stuff. So I almost in times in radio, I felt like I was almost like, I felt like I was doing what I was supposed to be doing instead of really being myself, which might be that like, I, I might get angry every now and then or flip out, but, um, I could almost like, I could always bring up like and i could still now if i wanted to like i can get genuinely enraged like at the drop of a hat if i decide <laughs> to and uh and like and, and get very irrationally angry and um it's just a i it's weird it's like a it's a skill in some respects but only like these days if um i don't know if if my house were invaded or uh, if I like basic somebody who's stealing my car, and you know, even if somebody's stealing your car, then it's non-productive. Yeah. What am I gonna do? Go get shot <laughs> you know, over my car? Just go to the car. I'll come back. Yeah, John Wicket, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, but now I, th I think you and uh, and Sean Pendergast have a good dynamic. He's a great mediator as well. So I think you guys play off each other very well on the on the uh, morning show. So, think, go ahead. No, I think like like with Figgy not playing the drops, I, I do think sometimes. People, uh, I think sometimes, like, sometimes I don't know if I've, like, actually learned to manage things that well or if just people don't prod me as much as they used to because of, uh, <laughs> because they're just nervous, too. So, because uh, I see that look in Sean's eyes every now and then, like, uh oh, did I get too far? Like, oh, crap, I did it. Yeah, to, to, be, to be honest, I'm kind of like that with everybody because, like, like I got a lot of Pentagas drops, too. But sometimes oh, yeah. when I feel like, you know, Landry and Lopez is kind of, poking at Sean a lot. Yeah. I, I don't want to be the person to add on or feel like I'm, you know, uh, teasing them or something like that because I know sometimes people get can get offended. And yeah. I, I, don't, I ain't trying to offend nobody. I, I'm just trying to, you know, have fun with the show. But sometimes the drops could come off as like I'm, 
you know, taking a shot at somebody. Yeah. Nah, I would say, well, okay. Go, drop as much as you want on me. It's just I don't know about Sean. But. Right. So, in a crossover from uh, NFL to media and radio hosts, like, I, I, we, we all know uh, most athletes don't like the media, and for good reason, because most of them are, like, pencil neck geeks, you know? Like, you're not going to like those kind of people when you're playing a sport in general. But in that crossover, of course, you have to analyze what you see. You have to talk negatively when somebody's playing poorly, you know, especially in a, in a position you were excelling at. When you see somebody play it poorly, of course, you're going to rip that apart. Do you ever get, like, any feedback from current players like, man, you were one of us. Now you're like a Uncle Ruckus type or something. Now yeah. you're, you're, you're betraying us. You're betraying the brotherhood and going on the media and talking us down in public. Do you I, get uh, that from current players? I haven't gotten that. I'm trying to think of any incidents where I did. I think I've there, I think there have been some times where guys have acted coolly towards me. Mm -hmm. um, I think there might be a couple players where I used to have a little bit of a relationship with and now I don't. And usually I think what happens is a lot of times it's when guys hear you talking about one of their teammates or something. You know, it's not even when they're, if they hear you talking about them, they'll, they'll tell you. But if you hear them, if they hear you, like, being what they think is unfair to a teammate, then it, it just kind of sets you in that category. So I think that I've tried to over the years, especially after a couple of real bad Texans go arounds, um, when it comes to local athletes, I try to really frame it more in terms of, like, what a guy needs to be doing instead of like this instead of like harping on how a guy sucks or whatever i'll just say like man he needs to do this better or he needs to do that better he can do this better he just needs to figure out how to do it and i think that's that's criticizing but like with more of a like a, po a potential positive outcome and it feels like you almost like a good i always i feel you're like if i can be like a good coach you know who's tough on somebody um no obviously you're criticizing them in front of thousands of people so there's always going to be that dynamic but I just I like I feel better I feel better about myself at the end of the day if I handle it that way. Now, if you're a out of town athlete, I don't give a damn and I just uh, <laughs> I'll say whatever the hell because that's the fun of it. And that's what like that's why I like that's why I like local radio and local media. It really is just more it's just more fun. Like you get to I mean when you're when you're doing national stuff, you're going to get crap every day all day. And you can ignore it if you want, but it is like you almost know and you feel you're constantly on this stage where you're pissing somebody off all the time. And I just don't like, some people are fine with that. Like Nick Wright's awesome at it. Like Nick Wright yeah. can, Nick, it is a genuine skill. Like it's like to be able to not care about like the fact that you are just pissing people off. <laughs> um, I've just realized over time that I feel, I feel bad about myself at the end of the day if I do that. So I try to, if I'm being critical, I try to keep it somewhat constructive or productive. Have you ever got a uh, like a message or a text after a show or some about something you said like overall? Oh, you got the Tigers back there. That? Can you hear that or no? I hear a little bit. He's just this is a good microphone. This, this, <laughs> he's just took off and freaked me out. Oh. I was being attacked. Um, okay, sorry. What was the question that he's uh, interrupted? Uh, so, do you have you ever got like a message or a text or email after a show or segment saying, "Oh man, Seth said this." And I don't agree with that. Like somebody from higher up or media person, yeah. anybody. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> when I was I, 
in the middle of one of the Texans deals there, um, I made I made some comment where basically I was actually arguing. I was making an argument in favor of the Texans saying that I can't remember what incident it was, but <laughs> that I felt that in this incident, the Texans were being unfairly painted as being racist in how they handled something. And so that's what I said. And then like a few minutes later, some player came available on um, on the waivers. You know, so it was like breaking news that some player became available. And and I said, I don't know. Yeah, I guess the Texans will, maybe the Texans will pick him up. I guess I'll have to check the racial policy first. So, and and I remember now that with the person, I was, what I'd been reacting to a few minutes prior was somebody basically saying that the Texans didn't, wouldn't have a black quarterback or something like that. Um, and, uh, and so I was like saying they don't have a racial policy with players. So I said, but, so what I said a few minutes later was, I guess the che- Texans will just have to check their racial policy. I get a call about a half hour after the show was over um, asking me to call back because Bob McNair wanted to talk to me. Oh, oh wow. man. <laughs> and, like, this is the only time anybody really had ever said anything to me about the Texans, like, saying anything positive. I mean, this is back when I used to really go into them and, like, really, like, like really almost, like, unfairly so. Um, but, my God, they were 2-14. and 14. So, but... The so I call back and by this point, you know, it's, Bob McNair is on his way to a cancer treatment, mm. and he's calling deeply concerned because he needs to explain to me that they don't have any kind of a racial policy, <laughs> and that they would never. Do, and I'm and I'm trying to explain to him, yes, sir, I know, I I know that was completely sarcastic. <laughs> I was actually. I was actually defending you in this particular incident. I can't remember which one it was. <laughs> Did um, you listen to the last segment, Bob? <laughs> yeah. No, but that's what happens is somebody tells somebody. Yeah. Like yep. Somebody's listening, and then they tell somebody, and then that person tells Bob McNair. And I'm like, yeah, if I were out there claiming that the Texans had some a racial policy against black players, that would be kind of a big deal. <laughs> like, I'm like, and... There was just some kind of gap where I couldn't explain to him that that that's not what I was doing. Um, so I just like that was that was it for pretty much me and Bob McNair after that. I think oh, I think wow. he had it in his head that I that I was like besmirching the name of the organization or something. So there's some like honestly, there's some asshole out there. There's like some stupid, stupid asshole who told Bob McNair that like oh, misinformed yeah. Bob McNair about that. Uh, <laughs> As he was on his way to a cancer treatment, oh, and uh, like uh, it just uh, it's, but that's the stuff you deal with. Yeah, that's kind of what I was gonna bring up next too, because you're in a position where, okay, you you do, you host the morning show, you're an ex Texans player, so you're kind of like an ambassador for them as well, and you also do the uh, the game the game the game the pregame show for the Houston Texans radio. So in a way, you're in a promotion type of role for the team and also a analysis and breakdown in, in a kind of neutral sense. So th- is that ever kind of awkward where you, you know, cause the team has been, we all know the team has been these yeah. past few seasons and historically Eden. So do you ever think it's, it's kind of awkward where you have to objectively talk about what you see, but also I'm kind of, you know, I, I kind of represent the team and I work for the team and all that. Is that ever kind of awkward for you or have you gone past that? It's, um, it isn't. And honestly, 
because the Texans have always been super cool about it. Like there was time, I mean, I was off the pregame show for a couple of years. Yeah. Like, so it was, I mean, I didn't, and it's not like I changed anything. I think they got, it was when they started getting a lot of heat for various things that they didn't, they didn't want me being another person. Um, you know, and that's the one where you work directly for the team when you're doing the pregame show, basically. And, um, but I, but they tried and Jamie Ruth's the team president was, I think kind of key to that. Mm -hmm. He always said from the very beginning, like, look, if people are talking, then that's good. We want them talking about us all the time. Talk about us. If it's negative, it's positive. It's always good. And like, I very rarely, the only time I ever got actual pushback, like in the form of somebody saying something to me was that time with Bob McNair, which as he understood it, I was saying that the Texans had a racial policy. <laughs> so I like, I would understand if somebody were saying that, that that should be addressed. Um, beyond that though, I think they just, they've let six ten at least when I've been involved, do what we're going to do. Now, I don't know how much, I think a lot of times program directors might be behind the scenes, smoothing things over uh, with various personalities. And it's, um, so I don't know like how much of that, like the program director works with the team when you're the flagship and they want to try to serve you the right, they, they want to, you know, have a good working relationship. But um, I've always been pretty lucky. I think that, I mean, I know, I know that certain members of the McNair family did not like mad radio at all. And um, I don't know how they feel about it. I know, I think, I think they all love Sean Pendergast, but I don't like to this day, I don't really know how, the McNairs feel about me um and I'm cool with it like I like I said like Ryan I you're a person worth having a conversation with and yet you and I never had a conversation <laughs> I don't spend my days like uh chatting on the phone with people like I don't I I like to read I like to exercise um I like to prepare for my show and I lead a pretty I don't need to be a social butterfly with like uh, either the billionaires or anybody else. So it doesn't, that part never really bothers me. Like if it, if people just don't like the way I'm doing my job, then so be it. But I'm, I'm not going to stress about it too much. No, I feel you, man. And it's funny because even at that time when, like you said, the McNairs were not happy with Mad Radio, there are still a lot of listeners who said, oh, you guys are going too soft on the Texans. You guys are just funded by the Texans. Y'all just are their PR people, basically. Like, y'all even listen to the show. Y'all are pretty harsh yeah, <laughs> on that's everything. Not, yeah, I know. Like, like really, like, unfairly so sometimes. We used to be, like, really just kind of Rob Osweiler got it. a lot of yeah, <laughs> in particular. Yeah. I think he got the brunt of it. Yeah, I think that, I mean, some of that sometimes is just, like, that's what the competition is filling their head with. So yeah. that's what they, they repeat. But then, you know what? And then other teams go through a rough stretch and people realize, like, oh, huh. <laughs> flagship stations are okay i got you um so yeah i don't uh like that that's when i was listening in on you guys before the show started you guys were talking about um people not taking social media heat or criticism well i mean that's something that you definitely learn how to handle somewhat obviously when you're in the public eye um but like you just i I've learned there's some things that like on any given day, somebody can push your buttons and get you just right, especially if you're sleep deprived. Um, but like there's some things that's weird. The things that bother me anymore almost never have anything to do with a direct insult. Like if somebody says they hate me or they think that I'm the worst radio person ever or that I'm ugly or anything like that, it's like genuinely 
I, it's rare that that actually affects me. It's when somebody says something illogical, <laughs> like if they make an argument that just doesn't make sense, and and then God forbid they act like it's a mic drop moment for them. That's when it, that's when I still get angry. But like as far as yeah. the insults, yeah, you just realize, all right, um, there they, uh, I get at when I get agitated these days. It's just typically when I, somebody's not listening to my argument. Yeah, that's the part that bothers me. When when I get pissed off, I, I get pissed off when people try to say I said something that I didn't say. Yeah. Like yeah, one, that's one a day, tough one. yeah, one day somebody hit me up on Twitter like that was a bad take about blah 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 blah. I'm like, I never said that. <laughs> like, like, go back and listen. I never said, I, like, I barely say anything on the damn show. <laughs> like, I never said that. <laughs> they, sometimes it's, um, it's, sometimes it's like silence. They, they assume silence is like agreement, though, too. And, uh, or that, you know, like somebody will say something, it's time to go to break. You don't say anything back. And then it becomes, well, you, you get this too, Figgy, right? People oh assume that like everybody on the show or the station feels the exact same way. Yes. So like that, like everybody. Well, this is what you guys were saying. Like I didn't. I, yeah. I, I don't even. I'm not even aware of this topic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was really rough during the 2020 year, and you had all the stuff, the protests, and you know the NBA, all that stuff. Yeah. And me, mind you, I'm just a producer. I'm not. I'm not a host. Yeah. So a lot of people, you know, I let Landry Lopez do their thing, and I didn't really want to weigh in on it anyway. But well, a, yeah. a lot of people was hitting me up like, oh, why they ain't let you speak? And you oh, should have really? said something. And I'm just like, man, like, look, I could speak if I want to. Yeah. But I'm not trying to speak on that, to be honest. But you're being guilted into yeah, uh, or, and then to some a voice. Pe- yeah, then some people say, man, they got a black producer on the show and he ain't say nothing. And I'm just like, man, like, <laughs> I ain't getting the Sports Talk Radio for this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. That's like... uh yeah, that's it. man. We haven't been through that in a while because there was, I mean, for a couple of years there, it was, and you know, I think it's funny. I feel like, uh, like the real world filtered into sports media in a big, big way, you know, through that entire, like, gosh, 18 month period or so. Um, and it's, I don't know, like, it's, I think people need separation in their, from their entertainment to the real world stuff to everything else, but it's an individual thing. And that's where it got tough is that I think, I think there are some people, cause I, you know, I hear it from all, you know, all skin colors and ethnicities and everything on both sides of people saying, you guys need to be talking about this versus same thing. All races, ethnicities saying like, look, I don't care, man. I just want to hear about my sports. So like you're genuinely screwed no matter what you do, then there's, you're going to be pissing people off that want you to be more, socially minded or, or civically minded and then you're going to be pissing the other ones off too um so yeah I, don't worry figgy i've never uh <laughs> I've, I've never heard i've never heard you uh yeah i don't know <laughs> I don't, like, like, hey, <laughs> I have a really hey. hot spicy take yeah, yeah i got yeah I got, I, man i'm super neutral man i ain't trying to go throw like i want everybody to like me so i ain't yeah. trying to go out there and throw this hot take or I ain't trying to shake the table or nothing like that. I ain't Stephen A. Smith. So I just like to chill, sit back. I I would throw the only time I, I like to weigh in is when they when they discuss something and they ain't bring up the obvious. And I like yeah. to add on something to it. But yeah, no, nah, I'm not trying to get into all that, man. 2016 yeah. was when it started being like, because obviously, like, okay, the Trump regardless, like I don't care, like whatever you feel about Trump. Um, 
it got real divisive, you know, like things got things. I mean, things have always been divisive, but it got super divisive. And when it filtered over into sports where that, that was when all of a sudden you'd be getting accused from people on both sides of like your argument being because you're either a lib or you're a right winger or whatever it was. It was like, that was unbearable because again, it goes back to the illogical part of it. People would assume that your purely sports opinion was different than theirs based on your political persuasion, which they didn't actually know what it was. Like they didn't even know your political persuasion, but they assumed you must be, you must be either liberal or conservative because you disagree with me on this. That was maddening. That was really rough. <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was a tough era. That the Kaepernick was really tough too. Um, that, that whole era we had to talk about that was tough in sports radio. Um, <clears throat> but I will say that I think people think that producers on shows aren't allowed to talk. And let's clear the air. That's not the case at Sports Radio 610. <laughs> like, I know you were accused. I, th I heard one morning somebody accused you guys of not allowing Ben Gary <laughs> not to talk. Yeah. I know Ben. I, I work with Ben every Sunday. Yeah. Ben doesn't want to talk like no, that. No, yes. <laughs> like, no. When he, yeah, and as soon as, like, Sean read that text, I think Ben was probably like, oh, great. They're going to talk <laughs> to me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Ben doesn't want to talk. Figgy, Figgy will chime in. I ran my mouth a lot on the Paul Gallant show because I like to run my mouth, man. Yeah. But, like, there's no law that states or rule that producers can't talk on the show. It's usually by choice. You just And there's a lot going on in the back as well. We don't have time to, chat, to pay attention in chat when we're answering phone calls, getting stuff ready, pulling audio. We yeah. only have time to be engaged in the discussion. So yeah, yeah. Like guys are like, and, and people yeah, don't realize I'm doing like 20 different things at once. I'm over here uploading the podcast. I might be tweeting out something. I might be, you know, checking emails, people emailing me saying, can you send this air check? Can you do that? Can you? I'm doing all type of stuff. And still Landry and them, hey, Figgy, what you think about that? Well, that's the, you know what? Yeah. And that's the, the craziest thing is that you guys have to write titles for the podcasts, which is hard. Like writing a title. Yes. Well, Ryan, you know, you've got the, the, yes. the newspaper background. <laughs> like I used to, when I first learned that there was such a thing as a headline writer, like, you know, you hear that and you think it's the dumbest thing in the world. And then you try to title a few things mm -hmm. and you realize like what an art there is to it. Yes. Yeah. Especially if you want to be ethical about it, which seems to be like a bygone concern. But like it's man, it's it's freaking hard to extract yeah. the most titillating thing, but to accurately <laughs> represent it and just yeah. Yeah. So that's a bit I feel like that's the kind of thing that the suits tell you guys to do without really thinking at all about like how difficult it is. Just because it's just because it's four words doesn't mean it can't take like 10 minutes to figure it out. Yeah. And so what I do with the title, with the podcast titles, I try to, uh, I treat it like a podcast, like a, like a normal podcast. And I try to get something that was funny from that hour. Yeah. And like, so if this was going on the podcast, I'd be like our buddy, Seth Payne joins yeah, us. Yeah. I would try to make it a little funny, more like a uh, like a regular podcast type of title instead of the typical uh, former NFL player Seth Payne join the show. I try to make it a little funny and jazz yeah. it up a little bit. Yeah, it's just yeah. something that uh, piques the interest. One of the one of your commenters says that it's not a problem to write headlines via Chat GPT. I got to <laughs> tell you, I've everything I've done with Chat GPT uh, has been like. Sometimes it'll come out being like really, really smooth writing, but it doesn't mm -hmm. sound anything like, like that I would enjoy reading or yeah. that I feel like that I had written. 
Yeah. Which I, I mean, I'm sure there's a, yeah, I know you can teach it to write in your style and everything, but I just, I've, I've messed with it for about a month now and I can't, I can't get it to be anything that I feel good about. Like actually, like I almost feel like I've put way more work into it than just writing something. Yeah, I well, think I think it's good for like resumes and stuff like that. But outside of that, like writing a headline, it's like I wouldn't don't nobody write no headline like this about the show. So yeah. it'd be like, oh yeah, um sports talk radio show in Houston had a lot of discussions throughout the day. And it's just like <laughs> ain't nobody writing it like that. It, they put a little too much sauce on it. Do you ever find yourself I've more and more I find myself reading I'll Google something because I want to learn about porcupines or something. And I'll get like two paragraphs into it. And I'm like, son of a bitch, this is AI. Because it's like, <laughs> it's giving me the relevant information, but it's not, it's just not quite right. And you, you can tell there's something shoehorned in there. And it just, it, it's uh, maybe chat GPT-8 or something. I'll be okay with it, but it's just still too fake. <laughs> oh, it's I think, yeah. I think it's going to get better for sure, man. I don't know if you heard some of the AI um, music that been out. So, uh, like, it's a lot of Drake songs that's AI Drake songs. But I think it it's still, just though, like, yeah, like, they're AI Drake songs, but I feel like the people that produced them still spent, like, you know, however many hours. Like, how many times did you fail at finding the one that was good before you found it? Which, I mean, I guess that's still, but they still produce something that they never could have produced before. Now yeah, we're all fucked. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I think it'll get it, it way, way more simple in the future and, and more smooth but it, i mean if you want to apologize for waving a gun for the second time in an instagram video <laughs> i think it's good for that because apparently that they found that was a chat gpt apology statement um so i don't know is it, man is but, that yeah if you write in like the six elements to a good apology because we do that on our show sometimes whenever there's an apology we've got the, mm -hmm. the six elements to a good apology and uh, you go through, and rarely does anybody get even, like, three of them before they break into, like, <laughs> sorry, not sorry. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's fun to fool around with. Yeah. Like, the, yeah. like, actually, we did the other day on air, we, somebody asked, I, we compared, like, two movies that were way opposite. Oh, Jim Cotta and Papillon. Um, what is your obsession with Jim Cotta? Because you're the only person I know who talks about that movie. I know what movie you're talking about. Yeah. You're the only one I know who references Jim Cotta fairly it, frequently. Okay, so... Because uh, <laughs> it's such a stupid movie. But... <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, Jim Cotta is a story about a champion U.S. gymnast who went over to somewhere in Asia to play something that they called The Game. And uh, it's a basically a, it's basically a battle to the death race, uh, but it was just like the cheesiest of the cheesiest of Hollywood kung fu slash martial arts movies of the eighties. And when I was growing up, I would go to visit my dad, and my dad my dad was for a while uh, an independent movie producer, and um, he had like this huge library of VHS tapes that he would dub. He had dubbed all of them. And like, so it was like this huge wall of movies that for like three months we had, and it was awesome because you could go and my, I'd go to my dad's house and I wouldn't see my dad the whole weekend, you know, but we'd watch movies the whole time. But then something happened, like he had to take them and move them all to another state, probably because he was fleeing authorities. 
And like there were like three movies left, and one of them was Jim Cotta. <laughs> so we spent like my brother, my brother, my stepbrother, and I were watching Jim Cotta for like an entire weekend. And my older, my brother and my stepbrother older than me, and they just beat the shit out of me the whole weekend, you know, <laughs> doing the, the, the trying all the moves out and everything. So uh, yeah, I've just had a weird, uh, a weird fixation on that movie ever since. The only reason I know what that movie is because I had a Sega Genesis when I was a kid, and they had this fighting game called Streets of Rage. Yeah, and the cover of that game was the exact same cover from Jim Cotta. They just like repainted it. Really? So, and people Could... found that out and it was on the internet. I was like, what is Jim Cotta? And then I heard you talking about it. <laughs> You're the only person I know who's ever talked about that movie. I think, what was his name? Was it Kirk Thomas or something? I should Something uh, like that. But... Yeah. So, yeah, Kirk Thomas. Of course, it was Kirk Thomas. The other one. Okay. So, speaking of cheesy kind of martial artsy movies from the 80s. The one that still bothers me to this day was uh, Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins because it's an imp it's implied that there's going to be a series. And I went and I watched it in the series. I watched it in the movie, and I like kept waiting for Remo Williams' The Next Adventure or something to come out, and it never came out. Yeah. Um, so we don't, we don't want to hold you too long, man. Um, just going to get some oh, more. I got more time. Yeah. I don't want to hold you too long, man. I know you got things to do and uh, people to see. But uh, just a few more questions, uh, I guess more sports-related things. Um, after we saw the Rockets pick number four in this, um, this upcoming the lottery, um, and the Texans are making some moves, looks positive. You know, they got their quarterback, got a new head coach. Which of those two teams do you see uh, going back to the playoffs first? The Rockets Ooh. or the Texans? I think the Texans... Not necessarily because of anything with the the roster or anything in particular right this moment, but just because in the NFL, if you have a good defense, um, you know, you can get a credible record. And the AFC South, I don't think the AFC South is going to be actually strong anytime soon. So, it, but they also have a rookie quarterback. I'm going to say the Texans because the the Rockets still have to figure out exactly what Shangoon is. Um, and find some element of culture and veteran leadership to add to the mix. So they might have, like, I would give the Rockets as a higher ceiling right now, but I could see the Texans making the playoffs within the next couple of years just by, just with a little bit more talent added and D'Amico being a really good coach. Um, is the big X factor there. I think, yeah. I think Udoka is going to be really good. I'm, real quick, uh, I don't want to jump off of sports, but I just thought about this. Um, so I think I want to say it was today y'all pl played it on the sh on, on your show. Um, McLean pretty much calling you out for not being, uh, I guess, from Texas. Not a native Texan, yeah. Yeah, yeah. How, how did, because I felt like you should have been way more offended than you was originally. <laughs> because I'm like, man, this guy, did, he was an original Texan. He actually played here when the team was first brought here. And you calling he, this guy for not being a uh, not being born here? He was okay. So we were calling him out because he had uh, he had congratulated Popovich and the Spurs for getting Wembenyana uh, for for the most part. Um, so like we were asking him like, hey, what are you talking about? You can't. And McLean has always said that he's just that if Houston can't have him, he's happy for somebody to stay in Texas. And I, we pushed it back against that. <laughs> And it see, that's another one. It didn't bother me. I didn't get offended by him saying that I'm not a native-born Texan. I got offended by the absolute just, like, 
that it's not logical because most Texans, most sports fans don't feel that way. Like most Houstonians don't feel like, oh, awesome. Uh, if the Rockets can't have them, let's give them to somebody else in the conference who's in the state of Texas. Like, I don't, that doesn't make any sense. It's not like a, it's not like a spelling bee. Where, okay, hey, <laughs> if the Harris County girl doesn't win the spelling bee, then I hope Montgomery County gets it. It's not, it's, it's pro sports. So, um, but yeah, him dismissing me by saying I wouldn't understand because I'm not a native born Texan, A, is misrepresenting how a lot of actual natural born Texans feel. And B, I did feel it was a little bit like if I were to tell him, if I were in an argument with John and I were to be like, well, you just don't know because you didn't play the game. You know, <laughs> yes. like, all right, well, that's a cop out. It's not, you're not actually winning anything there. You're just, you're bringing up a Trump card that just ends the argument because there's nothing to, you're, like, which I've always felt, by the way, to go off on another tangent. Like, I, and I tell this to young guys, like athletes when they get into media or want to get into media. Like, yes, it's true that you play the game and you have experiences that other people don't have. You're being paid to use words to explain how those experiences are relevant. It's not like some Trump card that says, well, I played, so I win. Like you just gotta, you gotta use those experiences to fuel your arguments, but that's that's not the argument. Yeah, and especially when it comes to sports, but kind of everything. I don't think there is the the Texan camaraderie here at all, and at least in regards to the major cities. Yeah, you know, yeah. like Houston doesn't like Dallas. Dallas doesn't like Austin. Like we don't like each other really. Like Texas is too big for us to all get along like that here and be happy for anybody who. <laughs> success in Texas. Yeah, man, that's so. how it is in every state because, like, yeah. me growing up in Cleveland, I don't give a damn about the Cincinnati Bengals. And Cincinnati's they was in, barely in Ohio. Yes, I it's call, like people don't realize that. I it's call like it Cincinnati, Cincinnati is Kentucky. Like, it's like hillbilly stuff. It, it's it's really, really Kentucky. They got Southern accents and everything. It's so, weird. Yeah, so it's like, man, we not like I ain't rocking with no Cincinnati. Even when they was in the Super Bowl, like I like Joe yeah. Burrow, but I don't care about no Cincinnati. Like I hope they lose every game. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah especially you're in the same division yeah yeah so why yeah. would i be rooting for cincinnati <laughs> <laughs> no, i'm with you man i was actually gonna bring that up i'm glad figgy brought that up though because i was always wondering i know you came from a like a small town in new york and you were drafted to jacksonville then went to houston so what was the biggest shock for you coming down south like cultural wise besides um, all the minorities you see so. Well, <laughs> um, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. With no, you. I know. No, I was just thinking. Of, I was thinking of a comeback, but like, no, like, <laughs> I don't need to. I don't need to go there right now. Um, no, okay. So biggest differences. It was in going to Jacksonville. You know, like Jacksonville's not a. It's a Florida city, but like it's more like it's a southern city. You know, like in your when you're in Jacksonville, when you get away from the beaches, it feels like you're in the south. Like it's, it's South Georgia, North Florida. It's different than going to Orlando or, or elsewhere. Um, okay. So a couple of the biggest differences were one, just like the prevalence and, um, what's the word I was, I guess the omnipresence of religion in the South, the Southeast, especially, um, and just how openly religious people are. And, and like, and the fact that if you're not religious, it's kind of a big deal. Like that was kind of a shock to me because I came from a college where it was the exact opposite, you know, um, like the people that were very devout and religious were in the minority generally in that environment and uh, or at least that were vocally religious. So that was a that was a shock. I think just the pace of life 
was way different. And it's not like where I'm from, it's not like it's not like in the city or anything at all. Um, but it's definitely a, a less relaxed pace of life. So that part of it was really cool, but it took me, I feel like it took me about like 15 years to get down to speed. Um, and the, Houston was nice because it's a little bit of a compromise. Houston, it feels more like, okay, there's a little bit more zip and pep in Houston than, than there is in the Southeast, actually a lot more. Um, and then, um, I mean, like, honestly, I'll say one of the weirdest things, and this is because there's like, there's racism everywhere, obviously. Um, and like, I got like, there was, you know, we had exchanges, especially some of the, the football players at Cornell have it tough because it's a, or they used to back then. Um, it's just a different environment. Um, like up in the middle of nowhere in this Ivy league school, uh, where like for black football players, it's just like, it's a, it's just a different dynamic than anywhere else I've ever been. So like, a, but it's not, it's not like outward racism or anything, but it's just, um, I think a lot, a lot of those guys just felt uncomfortable at that time back then on that campus. Um, they just felt different. And so you would see it manifest itself in more subtle ways. You know, it wasn't like you heard racial slurs places like where I grew up. I mean, like, yes, they're like racial slurs from like the genuine like guys that were assholes and you knew like, okay, that guy's an asshole. Um, but then I got down South and it was like, there are situations I'd be in where just like random business settings and everything and just start flying with the N-words and everything. And it was really, really weird for me. Like it was really strange. And the biggest one was, um, I was one night, my friend, I had a couple of friends from Penn State who came down. I had two of my friends from Penn State and they brought one of their friends. Uh, so a kid I knew from school that went to Penn State they brought their friend who was black. My two friends from high school were white. They brought their friend who was black to Jacksonville uh, for a couple nights. And they were staying with me. So after a game, uh, we're at a bar. We run into a girl I knew that I've kind of been flirting with, this really hot blonde girl. And uh, and it got, we kind of got, we decided to like, we, our two groups got together. So there were like five or six of us guys and five or six of her friends. And we decided we we're going to go to another bar and we had two cars between us. So we we're all like, okay, why don't you guys go here and I'll go here. And I'll like, and I told the girl that I kind of liked, um, I was like, okay, you can go, go with those guys. They'll drive you. I'll see you in a few minutes. And, um, so we drove to this other bar park, get out. And she comes up to me and she had sat next to uh, my friends. She had been sitting with my two friends and their friend, the, the, the black kid. And, uh, she like makes a beeline to me and she says, I can't believe you made me sit next to that. Like, wow. Yeah. 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 So it was like, and I, it was so far out of the realm of anything I'd expected to hear that I just kind of like, I didn't, I, I still, like, I'm still wish I had come up with something better to say, but I was just kind of like, all right, well, I mean, I, we're we're just gonna not hang out. Like we're gonna go elsewhere, you know. And it, it, and it was that was like the the first really shocking moment. And not that and that could happen in any of the fifty states. It just it happened more frequently in Jacksonville. Um, and I had to like, it was uh, it was that part of it was strange. So that was uh, that was the biggest shock for me. Yeah, next I was going to ask you what made you decide to uh, stay and work in Houston, but I guess I kind of answered that question. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was different, though, too. Like, 
it was it depended on where you went you know because there was like a real there's some parts that were it was like jacksonville's a really big city and you know you get in some neighborhoods and towards the beaches and everything it 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 feels like a, a modern u.s city and there's other places and pockets where it feels like man like you you know they probably have realtors that are you know show houses to the to, to the right kind of people and all that um it, but then i also like and i sometimes i hate telling that story just because it doesn't i don't want to make it seem like that doesn't happen yeah. everywhere yeah. it was just the openness of it mm -hmm. and like the cavalier just casual like people are just gonna say it like of course you agree with me and like why like it doesn't even occur to them that you might get mm -hmm. offended by it. it that was it so i just kind of yeah it was uh it, it, it was different it was different I feel like a lot of people up north too. Like I'm one of them. Like just going down south, you all you automatically think it's a whole bunch of racist people just walking around and all this other stuff. But it wasn't until I moved down here. I'm like, it's not. I mean, I haven't ran across anything like that before. And my no. fam my family was actually nervous because oh, really? yeah, yeah, because I was moving to uh, to Texas. It wasn't even just like Houston. You moving to Texas and they got open carry. You know, <laughs> it's all type of, you know, Trump supporters and all this other stuff. And when I, I think, got um, down here, I'm just like, it's not that bad. And actually, the Trump supporters are actually cool. <laughs> so, well, you know, that's why I have my I have conversations with my kid about that all the time. It's like, you know, you got to like there's the people you see on the Internet and how they behave and act. And honestly, there's even I mean, there's yeah, there's like everybody, like almost everybody out there, like whatever bigotry or anything they have a lot of it is just the result of their upbringing and the environment they've been in and they're like there's a decent person in there um it's just they don't necessarily know any better and not not to excuse anything but like getting to know people makes you a little bit more understanding or uh you know accepting of everybody and the the i, I don't know perspective matters a lot yeah no it does um, don't want to hold you too long, man. Um, but I, I, I had three more random questions I want to ask you. So okay. we speed through them. Um, now I, I, I know you're a, uh, a savant and a learned man. I always, <laughs> I, I think you're very inquisitive too. I, I always have fun listening to the show and you go down rabbit holes where you're trying to find out more information about something new that you just heard of. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to know, is your third eye really open, man? I want to know how you feel about the moon landing. Was it real or not? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I wish he hadn't framed the question that way. <laughs> okay, was the... Uh, it's a brilliant way to uh, frame it. What, what I, are your thoughts on the moon landing? I, don't, I, I generally think with... I could totally see the motivation for doing it, given the Cold War and what it was. Um, I generally feel with things like that, that conspiracies can only be so large before there is actually like convincing like actual either testimony or what have you from other people um i just uh i don't i honestly haven't investigated enough to address whichever like most of the, the most convincing uh <laughs> conspiracy theories so yes i believe the moon landing was real no okay. is that okay what about bigfoot no bigfoot Big, either no i don't believe in bigfoot Okay. I don't. I, I feel like Bigfoot. Same thing. Bigfoot would have been. Bigfoot's too large a mammal. Okay. So here's the thing about large mammals. There's uh. There's only like it's hard for large mammals to exist. Except uh. Like there's not that many large mammals actually on Earth. You think about like 
uh, like beasts of burden or, you know, animals that are on the savanna, um, some that used to exist in North America or woolly mammoths that used to exist. Like, and it's, and it's, I think it's especially hard for them to hide when they do exist in areas that aren't like dense, dense jungle. So I feel like the Bigfoot we would have found by now. Well, it, unless it was a transdimensional being, which is oh. another conspiracy okay. as well. You see, oh, you can really? travel through dimensions. So it might not be on its physical plane right now, but it still exists in space. Oh, you get it? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> No idea. Hey, I like, go deep on these conspiracies no, when I get bored, man. Right. I don't believe most of them. Because I almost don't think it's a conspiracy <laughs> if you if you get into transdimensional stuff. I mean, there are like uh, like when you get into the the the, the theories uh, of you know multiverses and everything like that, or that like with every single millisecond, every AB decision actually happens yep. and splits off into its own. Yep. Um, I, it, those are those things that you can understand theoretically. And yet, like, is there any possibility or avenue that I would ever actually be able to perceive it consciously? Cause I do, I've only like, this is another thing I haven't learned until my forties is like really understanding the concept of subjective reality and like how little of the actual world we really see. Um, a, because of our senses that limit us or B, because of preconceptions that we've got drilled into us. So I'm open to understanding that there's things there that I just simply can't see either because of biology or training, but I just like, I, yeah, I don't know where that leaves me. And like, actually, I know that there's a possibility that it exists, but how do I, how do I break that wall and like start believing in a specific thing over there in the other dimension or what have you? Yeah. I don't know. That's how I feel when I hear Neil deGrasse Tyson talk about black holes and stuff. I'm like, I can't even perceive this stuff, man. Unless I can somehow see it visually, I can't even understand how this is possible. But right. Well, even, yeah, like when people start talking about space-time, like I kind of get it and I can do some physics and stuff, but I don't, does anybody actually grasp it? No, I, I don't like, think I don't, so. I think they're faking the funk. I, yeah, <laughs> that's what I'd like to believe. <laughs> I don't know because the really smart physicists will tell you like that you can't really you can't really perceive it. Like you can, you can start to understand the concept and everything, but I don't think you can actually visualize it or perceive it without like a boatload of acid. Yeah, no. And then when they talk about things where they, things that react differently, if you see it rather than when you don't see it, that's where I really get, I start to lose my mind, man. I'm like, I can't even understand things like that. <laughs> Something acts differently if you see it or not. Yeah. I don't get it. So. I know. Yeah. That, that actually affects the actual, yeah. And you're yeah. okay. Here's one, here's one for you that like is, is this actually is still rooted in the human world, but it kind of, it's a lot of stuff that blows your mind, but, um, is you can, you can comprehend it, but this uh, book I'm reading right now is called thinking fast and slow. Uh, but it's about this psychologist who won a Nobel prize for basically showing economists that like, Hey, you guys are treating human beings like they always make rational economic decisions and it couldn't be further from the truth. Like people act really irrationally and make decisions that they think are rational, but that they're too heavily waiting, you know, fear of failure or, and all these things. Um, that's really interesting because you can actually, then you can examine yourself and realize like, oh, okay, I'm actually pretty irrational in this one aspect and I'm, I'm completely blind to it. But if you learn about the statistics and everything, like then at least you can you can use that. I don't know how to use space time. Yeah. 
it's, it's tough to even, <laughs> even when you see diagrams of it, I, I don't get it. It's hard. I can't, yeah, when they my try mind to do it, they do that there. thing where they draw the cube, but then show, but what if you drew another thing that yeah. actually isn't like it looks here? But, <laughs> yeah. I don't get it, man. Um, next quick question, man. If the writer strike keeps going, how are the NFL games going to be played this year? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now, to be serious, so probably, though, with, yeah. <laughs> in, in your experience, like, was there, like, seriously, was there ever a moment where you considered, like, maybe something was going on with these refs? Maybe something about this game is weird. Something seems predetermined here. Do you there was, get that? I, I, I felt like with sometimes with certain quarterbacks, it felt like, I, I mean, Sometimes that's just like the human bias of the officials, I think, given Peyton Manning a friendly whistle or something. But it felt like it. Like it felt like, all right, these guys, like the, the league knows these guys are their their ticket. And it felt like it felt like sometimes it felt like, okay, wait a second. Why is that call happening in the fourth quarter? That's what that's when I felt like, man, what the what the hell's going on here? Um <laughs> But like, yeah, my golden rule is like, all right, without evidence, I can't, I'm not going to live my life that way. <laughs> I can't live my life thinking about the forces that are controlling me without me knowing it until like, unless I'm confronted with it face to face. No, I get you, man. Um, what do you think? What do you, uh, like as far as the actual, like that would be one though, too, kind of like fixing an NBA game or something. Mm -hmm. It can't, it can only be, it can only be one or two people at most in on it. So it would have to be like the commissioner and one of the officials themselves and not even the quarterbacks involved with it because otherwise it just it comes out some you know it comes out in a book yeah but i mean you you'd be surprised if people's livelihoods were at stake how long they can keep a secret you know it's true look at tim yeah. like I, I got deep in that tim donahue thing man yeah and i just refused to believe like he was the only referee doing this you yeah. know especially when you consider like he wasn't a rant he was one of the best referees the league said he was one of the best referees in the game before he got caught. And now suddenly we're supposed to believe like, you know, he was alone. He was the only guy who did this. <laughs> Nobody else, even his buddy Scott Foster was never involved in this. It's like, okay, man, yeah. I don't know. And not like, yeah. Nobody and, else was involved really. And not to mention all the money you can make by, you know, all of these calls and the way games can switch over and turn over gambling stuff. So the uh, NBA, especially, yes, yeah. just so many. I mean, just a couple possessions here and there. It just it just changes everything no. over time. Yeah. All right, now you got. Damn it, damn it, Rocket. <laughs> now I'm gonna be thinking about thinking just about ask some questions, stuff. man. Just I know. No, I know. The problem is these damn YouTube videos are so slick. Yeah. Like they just <laughs> like and they present stuff because I do the same thing, man. I'll listen to like I'll listen to I'll listen to various political arguments um on various outlets just to kind of get a feel for what people are saying and there's times where i'm like is that that can't be true right but man he sounds like that's really mm -hmm. true and then you look <laughs> it up and you're like oh it's totally not true my god he's <laughs> passing it off like it's completely 100 proven and true and it's not true at all so and that's just a dude talking so i don't know about yeah i get uh I feel like you watch one of those videos and then you got to do four hours of research to fact check everything. And, uh, and it gets, you go down that rabbit hole. Yeah. And my last question for you, man, is this something I'm curious about because we do see a lot of, uh, talk about the players back then versus the players now athletically, 
you know, of course, you have the plumbers versus and electricians versus <laughs> now an NBA and all that. So I was kind of wondering how you guys think about it. So you last played in 2007, which was a while back, but not that, that, that long ago. But let's say you were in your physical prime right now and in the NFL. Do you think your career would be longer, shorter, or about the same? Oh, that's a really good question. I think um, I think I would probably – I'd have a tougher time making it because I was mostly a run stuffer, and they're just not as interested in those anymore. Although, like, DJ Re- DJ Reader does a good – DJ Reader is actually <clears> – <throat> like, if uh, like statistically and everything, DJ and I are kind of similar in that um, we can get – we like I could get push up the pocket without actually being a really good pass rusher, and I could stop the run. DJ's a better version of myself, um, but DJ's also like very well paid. So yeah. I think I would. Uh, he actually I think I would create make problems I think I could, on the offensive line too, man. What's that? I said he actually be creating problems for people offensive line too, man. Yeah, like yeah. it might not so, show up in the stats, but. The announcer always said, man, DJ Reader in the mix again. <laughs> DJ yeah, Reader he's in the it. middle. He affects things. So yeah. I think um I think I'd probably I think I'd probably be about the same. Hard to say though. Um I might not have you know what? I might not have been a starter. I might have just I might have had to be a backup or something. Like Ted Johnson and I are kind of in the same boat. We were from uh we played like in a three four back when middle linebackers look like defensive ends and defensive tackles look kind of like offensive linemen. Everybody's gotten a little bit sleeker. And some of these defensive tackles now are just like Quinn and Williams. And these guys are just, they're just freaks of nature. So um, I probably, I probably wouldn't have started as many games. I would have been a, a backup. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. Rocket. <laughs> I didn't mean to bring your self-confidence down. I feel man. bad about the moon landing and myself. <laughs> <laughs> nah, um, and, and we got to wrap. I guess we'll do this for the, the Texans fans out there. Uh, one last prediction. What is your win prediction for the Texans this year? Uh, right now, I'm trying to figure out between six and seven. I, I like. I honestly think the defense is going to be much improved, partly because of D'Amico, partly because of Jimmy Ward and a couple of the guys that they added. And um, and I think that like I think Will Anderson will do well as a rookie. I don't need him to get like 15 sacks. So I think the defense will actually be a lot better. And then I think just having an actual system on offense and I think they'll have a more credible running game on offense. I think that that's, it's going to be a more, it's going to be a more solid and steady football team than people want to give it credit for. So uh, I'm probably going to settle in on seven and I'll be like considered a homer for that, which is fine. Cause usually I'm usually I'm on the downside (laughs) of the over under, but I think, I'm 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 feeling that way. I gotta I gotta give myself some time to watch it through training camp. Troy on Facebook asked, in three years, which franchise more playoff wins? I think clearly the Astros, but maybe take them out of it. But what what do you think about that? Oh, and then he asked whether Chicago or Houston. Oh, okay, Chicago or Houston. Right. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's a good question. I think Houston's got more. Um, Houston's got more up-and-coming young talent and should i'll say and i think fields still has to prove that he's like an actual nfl quarterback like they kind of they turned that into a very justin fields running friendly type of offense i think cj's way more ready coming into his rookie year to be an nfl quarterback like cj's cj's i mean god have you guys watched him throw like like in the the just in the uh the rookie minicamp 
because yeah. it's always it's it's one thing seeing it at the combine or seeing it at Ohio State. When I saw him in the Texans uniform and just that really just beautiful, consistent delivery and release and everything, it's just so nice. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, he's really, I think he's going to latch on to this offense really well. So I'm feeling better and better about him. Yeah, that's the same thing I said. I know his rookie minicamp and it's early. But even watching now, I'm like, dang, because I remember the past couple of years, we were like, ooh, that ball ain't look good coming out of this hand. Or, yeah. oh, that ball oversell. Or, oh, this yeah. ball. This, everything was perfect, man. It was like perfect accuracy. And it's just smooth and easy, you know? Yeah. And I think the one thing that sticks out about him, that be, like, which includes that, that throwing motion, is there's, um, he's got a kind of a meticulous nature, I think. I think when it comes to really hammering the details, I think he's very much into that. And that's where sometimes I think, I think that's why some coaches could look at his personality and see it as a negative. I think a lot of other coaches looked at it and thought that like this dude is like super serious about his craft. And, and I think he really like, I think he takes it very seriously and which sometimes can be a detriment, you know, if you don't, if you take it too seriously and you can't handle that stress or pressure then, but he's played at Ohio state. There's, there's enough pressure in that's a lot of pressure. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. So, like, with this offense, you know, going back to what I learned just from talking to Gary Kubiak about it and what he would stress in his team meetings, it's so much attention to detail. It's so much of, like, the finer points that sell the deception on the play action and everything that I think, like, I really think CJ is going to latch onto that. And, like, like, these guys have all been to the same throwing camps. They've all been to the same Elite 11 and all that. And... You know, like they don't throw as well as CJ, and it's not because it's not because of some natural ability or anything mechanically. Like they can all have mechanics, like CJ. Maybe his arm wouldn't they wouldn't be as talented, but like you don't get mechanics like that without working your ass off at it. So like that part, I don't think he gets enough credit, and I know I didn't early on for like recognizing how much work it takes to be that pure looking of a passer. Yeah, very well said, man. Um, and the six and seven wins will be uh, much, much. Uh, do, you, do you think you'd have a? Uh, do you think? Do you think it's easier to to do the post game when? I guess that's a dumb question. Is it easier when they're better? But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is, is it like a or the pregame? I don't know. Yeah, Pre- I don't yeah, know. yeah. I don't do the post game. I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't that's do well right. with the post. That's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So post you're game. always. That's right. You're always hopeful in the pregame. So it, yeah, I know. It makes I, no I, I talk myself <laughs> into it every week. Every damn week, I talk myself into it. It's uh, the pregame's fun because it's like like you can kind of cruise through a season and sometimes not actually be as schooled on the upcoming game as you should be. Yeah. It's like doing the pregame. You really gotta like. I, I I'll read the opposing team's paper. You know. And I uh, look for different, you know, I, I watch the games, obviously, but I do like, I, like I've got a checklist of stuff that I feel like I'm ready for this game where if I'm not doing pregame for something, I'm kind of, I'm reading articles as I'm watching another game or something. So it's, <laughs> I like that part of it. I feel you. All right. So like we say, I don't want to hold you too long, man. Uh, but we're very, very, very good discussion. I'm glad we finally made this happen. man. Uh, like yeah. I said, I've always wanted to sit down and talk to you. So I'm glad we finally made it happen. Oh, yeah, real quick. One, one more one more thing, man. I forgot to ask you this. I told you we was going to talk about it whenever we see each other. What's up with y'all wearing the dirty Air Force Ones, man? What's up with y'all oh. white folks wearing the dirty Air Force Ones? Yeah, that's what... Okay, so <laughs> I, 
I thought about it because I told you I've got a theory, and then I realized, like, okay, I don't know if my theory extends beyond just, I don't know, white people just being sloppier about stuff, like, when it comes to that. There's something, there's got to be something about, I don't know, because it doesn't, it, like, crosses, it crosses economic classes with white people, too. Like, it's not, there's, it's almost always acceptable at any level of like lower class middle class upper class white people to wear dirty sneakers so i don't know what that comes from my first thought was like okay i think that maybe you know maybe uh like maybe black people take better care of their clothes because they've they because they've really historically appreciated it more um like that it's harder to to come by nice things in because back we're in the more day poor, so we, we appreciate well, but like no like no, yeah, going back to just like segregation and onward when like, yeah, like you're, it was a lot, it was more difficult to achieve things that so you're going to appreciate it when you have it. But I don't think that that's, I don't think that's the answer. I, th I think I that, know. I think the simple answer is we get talked about if we got some dirty shoes. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, because like, <laughs> like if you got dirty shoes, if you dirty anywhere, people going to laugh and point at you. So now you got to make sure you, you stay fresh. Make sure you stay clean. You gotta take care of your shoes, and then the but other that's part. Still, but that's still a cultural thing that comes from somewhere, right? Like, what's the so? There's a cultural difference there that seems like so weird and arbitrary. I, yeah. I don't know what that it's... would come from. Like, you can look at you can look at other things and be like, oh, okay, well, yeah, they took that from this group, and then they like it, but then they wear their hair this way or whatever. Like, you can see the history behind it. I don't yeah. know, like, at what point did it become, like. Yeah, they're white right, teenagers are cool being having their sneakers be dirty unless yeah. they're really into hip hop and everything, and then they're gonna and then and then not. Yeah, I don't I, know when when that happened. I know for sure hip hop had an influence on us when it yeah. comes to like fashion and you know fresh sneakers and stuff like that. I just don't know when this the uh, the switch flip to wear dirty Air Force Ones. I just are never, you saying like that's a a recent thing or it's been around? Because I would argue it's. I think some of the biggest sneakerheads are like white people at this point. Yeah, I would argue like that. That's more of a hipster thing to be like a sneakerhead now, to where but it I used to be like think, a more of a hip hop thing. Yeah, but those are like so. Those are guys that like actually care about it though. Like where I feel yeah. like it's still not looked down on. Now Air Force Ones are different. Air Force Ones are different though too because you are all like you're choosing to wear. If you're choosing to wear Air Force Ones, it feels like you're more likely like as a white dude choosing to wear Air Force Ones you're more conscious of the culture and everything versus like you're just wearing cons or something from back in the day. You're yeah. just, they're dirty tennis sneakers. Yeah, and see, that's why I wanted to make it clear too because I just had the issue with the Air Force Ones being dirty. Because, I'm I, look, I, I, I feel like Chucks, people, you know, that's the thing wearing dirty Chucks. Like, yeah. I ain't going to look at you funny if you're wearing dirty Chucks, but... It seemed like when the Air Force Ones get dirty, you got to toss them, man, because they was only 70 bucks at the time. And I would think, <laughs> I, but I do think, like, okay, is it a fair generalization, though, to say when it comes to athletic gear, like nice athletic gear, so whether it's sneakers or sweatsuits or anything else like that, is it fair to say that, like, black guys in general seem to wear newer, nicer stuff, like, and keep it cleaner than... Like the average, if I go, if I walk through an airport and I pick out like the 10 nicest, like best kept sweatsuits, I think there's going to be, I think I'm going to find differences. Is that, was, would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I would think 
we we value like designer sportswear, mm-hmm. even though that sounds kind of goofy because you're talking like three hundred dollars sweatpants, but <laughs> that's something that you know a lot of people wear to to show off and and, and kind of stun on people. So, but I don't know. I mean, in general, I don't know. I mean, it's tough making those generalizations because there's nice dressed people everywhere there's sloppy dressed people everywhere so it's kind of it's kind of tough to say it's a general black or white thing because you know there's white fashionable people too it's not like y'all just walking like slobs so i I don't know but it's tough but i do think uh, okay no because that's why it's a generalization though too Uh, because i i wonder like as you say that i wonder if it's just easier like for me it's a lot is it easier for me to get away with just being kind of like slovenly like I could, like yes, I could walk 100%. into, like I can walk into a bank, and if I'm wearing like flip flops and a shorts and a t-shirt and everything, like it's probably I'll still walk in there, like you're gonna give me some money, like it versus there's gonna be a discrimination element or whatever. So for if you're a black person going somewhere, even if you're wearing casual gear, there's a bigger likelihood you're gonna be like judged harshly just because you're wearing sloppy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes, okay. but I mean that's just. Look, that, that's the whole racial discussion on that. But I mean, it's it's clear why that's the <laughs> yeah. right. But why I, that happens. So. Oh, but I couldn't verbalize that without really thinking about exactly like it's more yeah. a matter of what you can get away with. Partly, like this, I guess. Like, like Figgy, you you asking like why is it more acceptable? That was the original question. It was like, how are you seeing people wear dirty yeah. Air Force Ones and everything? <laughs> I think it's because like because. I think maybe they just feel like they can get away with it better than, I don't know. It's funny because when I originally posted the picture on Twitter, I, I made sure I didn't put no racial tone to it. I'm just saying, is yeah. this a thing? And Those are three white girls, though. That was, yes, uh, a lot, of, a lot yeah. of people that made the comments that, that was replying to it was like, look who all wearing these, sne- uh, these sneakers. Yeah. And they was like yeah. making it. But now, to be fair, it was a couple black people that said, hey, um, I kind of like that style, and some people were saying, you know, stop making it about race. But it's crazy because, like, I only see white people wearing dirty Air Force Ones like that as a fashion statement. It's not like it's not like they're broke or you know, you know, they on hard times. It, it seems like it's more of a fashion statement now, and that's the part that's kind of throwing me off a little bit. I don't like. Um, I don't know. Like, it's weird. Like, I, yeah, like when I start talking about white privilege or anything, it feels like I, it either feels like. I'm trying real hard to be, hey, guys, I'm cool. Um, I'm cool with the, the struggle. Or, like, you're just, uh, or or it also still comes out, like, there's nothing worse than, like, admitting various times where you have, like, where you realize you had a blind spot, like, as a white dude. Because, I'm like, obviously, there's worse things. But uh, like, um, it's, it's one of those things where you're like, oh, wow, yeah, I didn't realize that. And I don't really want to admit that I didn't realize that because it's plain <laughs> as day. But there's, uh, like, even, um, I was driving my, uh, I was driving my van for about a year with, uh, with an expired registration. And uh, my brother-in-law is black. And, uh, and he's like, he's like, how long has that been expired? <laughs> man, <laughs> I, was like, I was like a year, but like, it's whatever. Everything else is man, good. And you, he's just like, you giving me anxiety. Like, oh, <laughs> oh, I did it. Didn't I? Oh. <laughs> man. I wouldn't even say, uh. <laughs> you saying that giving me anxiety. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> so, but it wasn't, 
like obviously I know that there's a difference there, but it just yeah, it, he would never ever ever think to do that. Um, and I just kind of floated by for a year, just just doing it. Wow, that's that must be nice, man. I'm, I already <laughs> think mine is up next month. I'm already thinking about it. I gotta go. To <laughs> that was get a new one. That was up here when I was up here though. Uh, when we were living up here for uh, God, when was that? Anyway, it was uh, <laughs> so that it it it's in the sticks where it's not the same as but but yes yes. Yeah, See, I'm already that's, making excuses. That's, no, no, guys. That's where that's, we that's, get caught slipping in the sticks. Every time I get pulled over, it's in like a suburb or something where I be like, oh, damn. Yeah. And We're then I got to go to court or I got to go pay a ticket all the way an hour and a half away from where I'm at. So, yeah, it's tough. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> Seth Payne apologizes uh, on behalf of all white people. Yeah. <laughs> all right, man. Like we said, I keep saying I don't want to keep you too long. We didn't kept you on too long already. All right. Uh, yeah, I got to go. Uh, everybody, make sure y'all check out. I know y'all do already. If you don't, you need to. Check out uh, uh, Payne and Pendergast, 6 to 10, Monday through Friday. You also can follow him on Twitter. You're at you're at Seth Payne, right? At Seth C. Payne. Seth yeah. C. Payne. Okay, some asshole took Seth Payne, didn't they? Yeah, he's got one tweet. It says, I hate Twitter. Some mo- <laughs> 2008. <laughs> Somebody took Ryan Rocket, and I thought Elon Musk was going to get rid of these people who weren't active on Twitter because yeah. he hasn't tweeted anything. But this guy is still hogging up Ryan Rocket. I don't like it. And uh, Hogging up a person with that legitimate name, too. Yes. That's yes. Up Even though I think this guy, I think his actual name might be Ryan Rocket, because there was somebody in my college, a white guy, named Ryan Rocket <laughs> with the same spelling. It was crazy. Really? Damn. Yeah. Have you ever ran across somebody with the same name as you? Um, Just because of the internet. Like, so I know there's like, oh, like we interviewed, there's a coach named Seth Payne. So that gets confused. He was a defensive lineman in college too, and now he's a defensive line coach, I think. Um, so yeah, that that's the only yeah only through the internet. I've never yeah. run into like a you know Spider Man yeah. pointing at Spider Man yeah, some, situation. Somebody Did hit you me, ever, yeah somebody yeah somebody hit me up um, thinking I was their nephew. So apparently they have a nephew named Edward Gilliard. So they was hit me he up. rich. No, no, I wish. <laughs> nah, but. Um, yeah, she hit me up. She was she was like, "Oh, I thought you was my nephew." I'm like, "That I never I never run across people with my name, my last name Gilliard at all." So that was yeah. the first time I ever ran across somebody like that. So we is had that, the exact it, same name. Oh, is that like I don't know? That sounds like French though. Is there a Cajun? Could that be I, Cajun or something? I think so. I I ain't really do a deep dive on it, but um, yeah. every time I search my last name, French come up, and then somebody else brought a good point saying maybe it's. I got some New Orleans roots or something. Yeah. But not that I, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm going to have to do a deep dive into it and see where it's from. Because I, I know one actor who had my last name, too. It, it was the guy that played on The Wire. I forgot his name. Um, his name, Larry Gilliard Jr. Huh. The, guy, the guy that played Deep, D'Angelo on The Wire. He was on the first season of The Wire, I want to say. First or second season. But that's the only celebrity I know that had my last name like that. So I yeah, don't know if we're related. We might be related. I don't know. <laughs> Gilliard. <laughs> Seth, did you ever um, request NRG to play House of Pain, jump around every time you got a tackle, just like J.J. Uh, White <laughs> had turned down for what? I always thought it would be cool if they did, but I didn't want to ask. <laughs> so I was like, I really, I really wish they would have, but they didn't. I feel so, like you would have so, got tired. If we, I feel like we would have got tired of that song pretty quick. 
Because I, I got tired of Turn Down for What really quick. I, number one, I don't like that song, period. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. There's something. <laughs> it's really annoying. Yeah, who is that? Who is it's, that? It's uh, Lil John, but somebody else's song. Is Lil yeah. John doing doing a Turn Down for What, though? I feel like Lil John, what's the Lil John, is he, how is Lil John uh, separate from like his most notable hooks there or like whatever? He's got like what, four or five like verbal utterances that he's. Yeah, the what, the yeah, the, yeah, yeah stuff like, like that. I, okay. I feel like long term that's hurt him more than helped him. Uh, I think that they, I mean uh, those I think, are, those those royalties are nice. I don't yeah, yeah wrong, exactly. I, I think the Dave yeah. I think the Dave Chappelle skit kind of uh, I don't yeah. want to say watered it down a little bit, but it kind of mocked them a little bit. That's a good yeah. It does come and then like and then the high school pictures did too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But he's on. Have you seen that reality show where he they uh, design stuff? He's like partnered up with the designer and they do like these interior design things oh, that wow. are freaking crazy. And uh, Lil John is like kind of like the super creative one, and she's the one that tries to figure out like how to actually make it work. And he's got he's got really good ideas. It's it's a uh, it's like it's the last thing I expected to see. Uh, it's like flipping through the channels one day, and then I had a binge watching it. <laughs> All right, I didn't even I know he was go. on a reality show. That's crazy. I gotta check, <laughs> it out. check that out. I know this is the longest outro ever. I'm sorry. But um, again, also, thank you for the reading recommendation. I'm going to check out that Thinking Fast and Slow as well. Yeah, it's good. So, uh, thank you for joining us, Seth. It's been a long time coming. Really glad we got to talk to you and, and pick your brain a little bit, man. So um, anything you want to plug? I know you have a podcast out. Uh, just, yeah, like it's Pain and Pendergast, 6 to 10 a.m. on 6 to 10 a.m. And uh, my YouTube channel is uh, Seth Payne Show. So uh, that's uh, that's been a lot of fun. I'm doing that every day now. Okay. Nice. Okay. I'm not going to be patronizing and ask people to check out. When it's not, I'm sure you have way more viewers than us. So I'm not going to be like, yeah, you guys go check out Seth's show. Like, okay. I'm sure you already are I've checking it out. I've only been doing it for a few months, though. So I'm growing. So, okay. yeah, just check okay. it out. Check out the Seth page. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Really appreciate it, man. Appreciate all y'all in the comments and the chat as well for joining us. And, uh, yeah, great, great time with you, man. And hope to see you soon, man. All right, guys. Thanks, man. Take care. Yeah.